0: Welcome to the Tanjo Tech Talk podcast. I'm your host, Will Jarvis, and I'm happy to introduce to you, Kevin Clark. Kevin is a board member here at Tanjo with extensive expertise in brand strategy, design thinking, and voice of the customer research. I'm happy to count Kevin as a friend and mentor. I hope his story and expertise will bring a lot of value. So Kevin, um, I really, you know, you're, you're such an interesting figure, um, you've, you've been in a lot of different places and played a lot of different roles, and um, I think you've got kind of a great perspective, not just on machine learning, but building companies, whether that be um, building out revenue within an existing company, a big company, or being kind of an entrepreneur on your own, you've you played all those different kinds of roles. And I'd love to hear you kind of talk about your background, where you came from, and how you built that perspective.
1: Okay, I'm glad to uh, share that with you. And the, uh, you know, a lot of people these days have the ability to move from one company to another to achieve you know, variety in their career. I had the privilege of being able to get through a 30-year career with IBM And having different roles inside that company right and IBM was sufficiently large firm that had resources that when I would uh, kind of the dirty secret of my career is that they were paying me for my hobby about five years after I joined IBM right because I stopped um, taking On jobs that people were writing job descriptions for and I would point at things that I said you know I think we really ought to be doing this and they say that's a good idea why don't you go do that that's great and so I switched from having employment in a job to having a series of roles that I was playing inside the firm right the so that you kind of have an arc the pre IBM um, actually dovetails a little bit with what we're currently doing as we collaborate as, as, as I'm a board member Tanjo machine learning is I shelve books in the new Canon library oh wow right so I learned the Dewey decimal system through you know tactile you know right, placement of books on, than... on the shelves uh, it very made cool. it very easy to write term papers in, in college because I didn't need the card catalog I, I knew where everything was in, in the library after after multiple years of, uh, of doing you know, shelving books, and the you know the next thing that I did professionally was I was on a an NPR affiliate uh, which was KWGS, and cool. that gave me the ability to uh, you know understand how to put together a complete sentence, knowing people were listening, trying to eliminate the dead air. Right and, right and, and and be able to communicate to, to people uh, in, in an effective way. So that was helpful. And then my IBM career started. The arc of that career was, you know, we're in North Carolina right now. I was part of the startup team for Charlotte when uh-huh. University Research Park was a clone of the successful Research Triangle Park. and wow. you know UNC Charlotte, was there as the single anchor tenant, right, for, right you know, that experience. Um, my, my first uh, uh, clothing, right, the attire, right, before work was a three-piece suit and hip boots because oh, wow. I was out in the mud on the site, you know, building, you know, from nothing in the woods, you know, clearing the woods and putting up, you know, three and a half million square feet of... Of uh, you know manufacturing space for what at the time, was they were moving the banking mission from you know the the northeast right to Charlotte. So the 3614, 3624 banking terminals right that you would you know, they sold that to DeBold right. So right, like, right, But IBM made you know ATMs all right. They were pioneer so cool. in that field. They made check sorting machines that wow. were as long as maybe you know two office blocks if you wow. put them together and. and they would sort them down into the, the micro codes, which are the little codes, right, that are on the check, it's magnetic ink, right, and they would oh, sort through it. That's cool. My, uh, one of my first uh, neighbors in, in, in the office was uh, Harry Segal, and Harry, you know, had a briefcase that he was taking around the world at the time with this new technology, right, that was going to transform, you know, the way that we, we do business. And it was a credit card with a magnetic strip on the back. Oh wow! And that was new technology when That's I was totally you know, cool. so he would he had a this um, jury rig thing in his briefcase where he would show you know here's the raised characters here's how you make a credit card transaction now and here if you go through this this thing and you would you know move it through you know a series of magnets and sensors there was a like first-generation HP calculator in there, and numbers wow. would come up on the red, you know, thing and say, see, it knows that this card or these numbers, right, and we can feed that, you know, we're going to connect it to a network, and, we're, you know, IBM's really good at banking and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I, I had the opportunity over the years to talk to people like uh, Dr. Mandelbrot, who invented fractal geometry. Oh, absolutely, that's um, And, you know, we had... And one of the nice things about working for a company like that is, is we had no lack of smart people to interact with, talk with. You know, it, right. it was you know, it was you know, clearly a you know, uh, you know, sentient life, right? That that had um, you know, they had opinions, they had something to say. Sometimes we had more to say to each other than there was time during the day, but <laughs> it was, but but it made it made it interesting. I was public affairs, and moved, uh, got the site dedicated here in North Carolina, moved up to, uh, the Northeast. So I basically dedicated the site on Thursday, got married on Saturday, had a honeymoon Saturday night in Washington, DC on the way up to New York and started work on Monday. Oh. Um, the, um, The interesting thing about that is I went to work directly for a division president in the real estate construction division of the company. We were all over the world kind of touring. I had to lead a project um, during that period to go take pictures of all of our major buildings around the world with a photographer. Um, IBM has shown me the world many times over because of the assignments that I've taken. But, uh, But we'll come back to that in a second. The Jack, after... Jack Williams was his name. Great man. Um, We were in the Fountain Blue in in Florida with a large meeting, and we just finished it. He said, You know, you've been doing a really good job. You know, we were done. And I said, Thanks. He said, I've got a surprise for you. And about the time that he says, I've got a surprise, I, I cornered my eye. Here comes Heidi, okay, who, you know, I've just been married to now for like, you know, three months, right? Just the same (laughs) time that I've been working with him. And he said, I found out that you didn't have a honeymoon because you came, did all this stuff for me. He said, the next four days, he said, it's on me. Oh, wow. And he said, so here's Heidi, right? You guys relax, right? Don't worry about anything. Um, And I will tell you, that was the kind of company that I joined and that my father, uh, my dad worked for the company. Right? Okay. I had three job offers. Um, J. Walter Thompson, which was a large advertising agency to join their account executive training program in uh, Chicago. Um, Hewitt Associates, which is one of the largest executive right. recruiting companies in the world. They wanted me to start their, uh, essentially their employee communications and marketing communications program, or IBM, the startup team. And I felt like I knew the company. And that I could probably get a faster start right. if I went to go work for the company that I knew it, you know, at the kitchen table. Definitely. So that's why that's I, cool. you know, I've been about 100 years old. And at the time that I retired, our combined service was two-thirds of the company's history. Wow. So I came from that job and eventually rose to the point where I had responsibility for, um public relations there were two people and i had the issues so i had <laughs> and and, and one of powers. the things that was considered an issue was microsoft at the time even though oh, wow. we had a product called os2 mm-hmm. it was competing with microsoft and it was considered to be um you know more of a pitch battle and gotcha. i had people that were talking regularly every day to steve ballmer and oh, you know, wow. I got to meet, you know, uh, we had a big trade show called Comdex Computer mm-hmm. you know, Dealer Exposition in Las Vegas every year. So there were multiple years that I was in a room with our executives and, you know, Bill Gates and Steve oh, Ballmer. Wow. But the person who was most memorable was Philippe Kahn oh, from yeah. Borland. He was French, all right? He was very outspoken, right? And he's like, no, we're right. So it was, uh, <laughs> awesome. he was the most colorful figure, right? Right. Um, but, you know, he wasn't the most, you know, he didn't end up, you know, being the most, you know, business acumen-wise, <laughs> you know, of, of, the, of the group, but as I said, memorable. And then I um, had the opportunity to also do communications planning and one of the reasons that I'm, I'm able to give you some of the things that I give you today is, we would I would ask internally, you know, do you have a, a business plan, right, uh, or a marketing plan that I can use to make a marketing communications plan to allocate money toward advertising, public relations, trade shows, other things that would you know promote, you know, industry verticals like right. banking, insurance. Uh, telecommunications, what else did I have? I mean, but you get the idea. Right. And eventually uh, you you would find out that very strong sales organization, uh, very good instincts to know which accounts to go after because probably 800 accounts delivered 80% of IBM's revenue. Wow. Because it was either governments or other companies that were the size of IBM. So all they were very knowable. We had relationships, right? We didn't right. actually need those kinds of plans until we started to get into value-added resellers and so. And I did help gotcha. start that. So without a marketing plan, I asked for the business plan. We we actually don't really have. We have the one that we turn in, you know, every year. Right. But it really isn't what you want. So I learned. I said, well, I'll write it for you. So I wrote very their cool. business plans. That had a strong marketing plan, so I could do the marketing communications plan. When we mid-career things changed and IBM went through kind of a crisis moment, I had enough connectivity with the management team to be able to go and leave, you know, what was communications and the nascent beginnings of marketing, and move over into corporate strategy. Gotcha, and you know the corporate strategy job got me into and involved in early uh you know the early days of IBM brushing up against the internet right. and not liking it because it wasn't proprietary we couldn't control it right. um but the team i was working with you know clearly saw that this was a game changer right and so we threw you know, with a lot of, of effort and a lot of different people, I would say that the, the evangelist at the time uh, internally was John Patrick, and I worked for, for John for a period of time, and uh, we had to do a lot of convincing, right. because this was the transition from, you know, our proprietary networks to open, proprietary software to open, you know, that whole right. thing you know, is is... Part of the vocabulary today but it wasn't at the time that i was there and um, got involved in interactive television uh you know at scale um you know spun up a couple of companies you know that were on the west coast uh that were um actually you know people say you had a joint venture with with apple yeah it was you know we had Taligent and colida Taligent was the Company that made hardware and Collida was the software company for multimedia. Wow. Right? <laughs> and that's cool. Uh, many times we would build something like the, a glass panel factory, LCD screens, very expensive, billion dollar fabrication plants. So our most ruthless competitor in the PC industry for notebooks at the time is Toshiba. And we built one of those plants together because it's undifferentiated. Right, right, Until exactly. you screw it into something that's exactly. different. So we said we're going to share that expense. It's, it's a pre-competitive, you know, right. deal, and then we will bring it to market and beat each other up. Right. But let's share the expense upfront. It and so you you learn. Uh, I was I was on the trail of becoming what I now call an intrapreneur. Okay, right. or I'm, excuse me, that, that's Drucker's term intra, inside the company. My term is intrapreneur, right? Gotcha. Which is an entrepreneur that's starting a new business, the intrapreneur that's starting new things inside the business. If you're across both, all right, interoperable, all right, right. you're an intrapreneur, all right, that can span between, you know, the new small things and large resources and building markets. And, uh, today, if you look at IBM design, it's like a figure eight, right, or an infinity loop, right, and that's exactly the right way to think about um, you know, how do you harness the energy of the large and the small gotcha. in a continuum, right? right. It's not either or; it's both and. And so we would spark some of these these new initiatives. Now, why am I here? Why am I back in North Carolina? Uh, Came back to North Carolina because the personal computer company uh, was consolidating between Boca Raton and New York, and they were bringing everything here. And they had I had the opportunity to you know, be invited to be the product evangelist for ThinkPad. Very right? cool. And so they hadn't invented the term brand steward yet. Again, that story will evolve in a moment but i had the the opportunity to come down and the very first product that i took around the world was the uh, ibm thinkpad 701c which you wouldn't know that number but it was also known as the butterfly which was the keyboard that unfolded when you open the cover right it was a little mechanical thing and it was like a jigsaw puzzle. It was all folded up in a little thing, and then when you open the cover, that gave enough motion energy to make the keyboard change and, you know, um, align in front of you. It was a, cool. it was the coolest magic trick, right? Right. and nobody had ever seen anything like it. it, was, it was, so it was great taking that out. Did that for for several years. Why was in, I invited to do that? Because the very first PC when I was in that PR job before. One of the issues was IBM was late to the notebook computer market. Why don't we have one? And I announced it, and it was the That's IBM cool. PS2 L40SX. That's another memorable. We, we were really good at naming products. Right. <laughs> um, we got better later. ThinkPad was a good That's crazy. Um, so the team knew me, and they said, you know, we want you to come do this for us. And I had to basically. Sign out from the communications and public relations professional uh, profession formally because they knew I could do the job myself, right? That I uh, could true. take myself on the road and right. not need any shepherding. Right. And they said, "You can't do that. You're now, <laughs> you're now, good. you're now an executive. You're now taking this out. You're the subject, but you, you, you need adult supervision from right, us." Right. So I had people that I knew you know, taking, you know, accompanying me, setting up the appointments and doing things. Yeah. Um, and it was, that that was good until I was bench pressing 80 pounds of development level, you know, very expensive, one-of-a-kind machines into overhead compartments in a roller bag they were only, you know, it was my packing, only separated by, you know, bubble wrap. On right. the inside, you know that as I, you know, did that and continued doing that for several years, you know, I started my back started hurt a little bit. Right, uh, right. Um, and we trained some other people to do it, and I moved on to running the global advisory councils, uh, and continued to do the travel, gotcha. but with you know more diverse number of people doing right. the evangelism. Uh, so that's what brought me here. As the company started to get smaller, the PC company, I took on more responsibility. So eventually I became a second level manager and executive to um, customer satisfaction, brand stewardship, uh, brand strategy, business strategy, market intelligence, across all of personal systems group which included PC company, uh, let's see, Printer Systems Group and Retail Store Systems. And all of those are in different hands. So PC Company was bought by Lenovo, Printer Systems Group was bought by Rico and Retail Store Systems was bought by, uh, bought by uh, I guess it was Retail Store Solutions by the time it was done, by uh, Toshiba. I see. So all that revenue moved out of IBM. Uh, we were clearly strategically on a path to not liking any revenue where there was moving parts. I see. So if it's, it's electromechanical or required right, right. a mechanical engineer, or, you know, today, you know, with the move kind of you know, they've sold off most of the machine revenue except for the supercomputers and they're working on quantum. Right. Is they don't even like electrons. <laughs> That's you know, right. So just <laughs> avoid yeah, so, so it. Yeah, so so big services, big cloud, uh, right. you know, the Watson AI business. That's really the core of how my former employer, you know, makes money. Right. Um, so that's what brought me here, and I've enjoyed living in this area. I put in thirty years and retired about a decade ago. Gotcha. And you know, I'll, I'll let you ask me a question, right? Because All I'm right, giving right. you kind no, of love, a big arc of the IBM era. Right. You know, clearly what I. Um, I had a transition moment when I was still there where I was going to go back to school, and they said, "We uh, really would like you to stay. You know, you're really productive. Right. You're, 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 you're productive. kind of like Red Adair. We're going to throw you things and solve problems. Right. Uh, so I negotiated, which was unusual at the time, to kind of write my doctoral thesis and publish it as a book. Oh, well, super cool. So, transcendence. Uh, three Essential Elements of, uh, of uh, Enduring Brands was written as a piece of research, but it was also based on what I had actually experienced. And so they let me publish that. And gotcha. um, you know, after, that was about the time that PC companies were gonna get sold, so it was really a good summary of, of that period of time. I spent six years at corporate designing how do people now experience IBM when you can't hold it in your hands anymore. Right. Right. And so redesign, you know, all the executive briefing centers around the world, you know, what does it mean to come visit IBM for a day? Right. Um, uh, There are a number of things that were in between. The last one was the multi-billion outsourcing uh, dollar outsourcing agreements that we had that would go for more than a year. And, our diagnostics, by the time we're done, we could predict whether you were going to stay or become uh, contractually promiscuous um, by looking at the preceding three months before you signed a contract and the first three months that we were in the engagement. Gotcha. By understanding that period of time, we would know whether we were on track for a healthy relationship we called the program client wellness gotcha that's great and so that was the first time that they had done that we during the same era we invented uh innovation discovery which was not bringing people in to talk about what ibm had for you but co-creating right giving enough stimulus that you were thinking differently but then whiteboard discussions um you know, that was not in the DNA at the time. Right. It is today. Right. Gotcha. Uh, in fact, design thinking is actually actively taught and you can get a credential. Most employees, you know, by the time they're in, you know, finished with their career will have, you know, a design thinking, you know, credential. It's not the Very same cool. as what I was doing professionally because it's kind of, uh, it, it's, it's, it's not deep, you know, right, per se. Exactly. It's, it's, it's applied in a lot of different areas. But I'm glad to see that because at the end of the day, at the beginning of design thinking, the first thing you have to do is listen. Exactly. Or observe. And so that's a very positive you know, attribute, right? To, Absolutely. to see all right, uh, you know, clearly embedded right, in the in, in the company today. Very cool. So what do you want to know about... You know, anyway. after
0: right so I actually I wanted to so in preparation for this I, I kind of did, did a little digging and I'd seen some of this before I saw your big Think interview um, sure. about um, you know I, I'd like to learn more about branding how you think about branding you know the book you wrote transcendence sure. and, and what does contribute to kind of an enduring brand um, such as IBM which you know it's got to be one of um, the most well-known brands in the world ibm blue um but yes just some some of your thoughts on those topics
1: when i wrote my first biography you know coming out i had to kind of unwind myself and, and be able to you know almost do an out-of-body experience and look down and say, who is this person? What should I be saying about Kevin? Because in the context of what should I be saying about myself in public vis-a-vis everybody else, the other, I guess they're back back up to like 400,000 people. Right. uh, It's not a good idea, you know, to um, brag. right? Right, exactly. I mean, you should be factually correct about what you've done, but, you know, when you come out and, and, and you're doing public speaking and you're starting your own businesses, you do need to be able to tell your own story effectively. Right. right? Um, and, and just get one, you know, inch away from it sounding like you know, exactly. you're, you're too full of yourself. Right? right. And what I realized was that, you know, between the, the era with ThinkPad and then, you know, the, the new era with, uh, that I was, navigating when I was at corporate you know between design and strategy is that we were shepherding and I was at the core of shepherding a new experience that was delivering according to innerbrand at the time uh, 72 billion dollars worth of intangible equity wow. right and so I you know eventually you know mustered the courage to put into the biography you know Kevin has you know uh, you know worked with, you know, business and brand strategy, you know, works at the intersection of technology and culture. Right. And has created, you know, tens of billions of dollars worth of, of you know, value and equity, right, over the years. And then, you know, supporting that, you know, in, in some paragraphs, right? Of the right? Um, if I had, you know, said, you know, I'm creating tens of billions of dollars of value, <laughs> right, uh, it, 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 I, I think that the chairman would say, that's what I'm doing, right? right. So <laughs> uh, um, my... My sense is that I can do that now, and it's absolutely, true. Absolutely. And it's true, but I but I needed a little bit of distance and perspective to be able to say yes to it. Right. Um, and on the on the branding side, what ThinkPad represented in its heyday, and and I'm speaking based on research that we did, and I know because I'm I'm channeling what the customers told us. Gotcha. Is that this was the son or daughter? It was the offspring of, of, of a parent that we trust. But this is the next new youthful generation that has a lot of the same DNA, but it's cooler and more vibrant right. and you know uh, you know more active, right? Than what they you know saw from you know what they referred to as Big Blue. Right or IBM, and so there was a period of time where ThinkPad tested IBM ThinkPad tested um, higher in brand equity than the parent company did. Wow. When I entered into that, they were making a mistake is they were selling ThinkPads, and I said, "We need to sell IBM ThinkPads gotcha. because." We have to send equity back to the shareholders of the company. Right, the architecture right, exactly. of this is, you know, look at the logo, look what it says, it's an IBM ThinkPad. Right. And that earned me all kinds of gold stars, right, back at, you know, the corporate, right? right? They said, oh, you know, he's doing exactly yeah, what we, right. yeah, exactly. And because there was some renegade, you know, kind mm-hmm. of behavior. Um, that did make some of the stuff cool, but at the same time, right? Right. Rebellious teenager. Exactly. So, typical parent, you know, uh, teenager conflict, right? And so, we did what we, you know, needed to do. Uh, The brand continued to get good. We made some, we were given some gifts along the way. One of the gifts was in the early days of notebook computers, there weren't enough parts to make you know notebook computers consistently. Oh, wow. you, something would happen. You would you'd run out of hard drives, uh, right. you know, the, the the you know Intel would recall its chips because there was a defect. I mean gotcha. it's like every week there was something in the supply chain right. and you know you were lucky you know, to get out, you know, like half of what you had committed to because right. of, of these early supply chain problems. Now, eventually, you know, it, it all got, you know, you know, it got smoother. But because of the lack of, of availability, when we delivered ThinkPad, IBM ThinkPad notebook computers to large customers, the IT department only had enough to allocate to the C-suite or the top executives, which oh, meant okay. that as you started to observe ThinkPad in your company, that's what the big guys have, right? right? Or if you go on to a, you know, a plane, right. ThinkPads were in first class and business class, oh, wow. right? They weren't in coach, right? Gotcha. You know, so... You know, we had inadvertently set up this kind of uh, premium brand, right? That's kind cool. Of thing.
0: That's a really cool insight.
1: Um, in addition to it being IBM itself, right? Because right. we had some really good competitors, right? We, we Sony was in this business oh, and yeah. made cool looking, oh, you know, yeah. the Bio. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. We had Apple, right, in the yep. in the business, and they made cool looking stuff. Yep. But their cost, you know. Sony, Vio. Yeah, Vio means video audio input output. Okay, right. So right. the name yeah. says multimedia, right? right. Entertainment, yeah. which is their background. Yeah, um, you know, Apple was more for education and creatives, right. right? As a general audience, and we were in the serious business person. You know, this right. is for se- now. It's a computer, you know. Can can you do your taxes on a Vaio? Yes. Can you play games on a ThinkPad? Right. Yes, all right. So the, the, the device doesn't care. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um in fact, well, you know, for the first several years when Sony got into the in the business, um, they were still buying IBM ThinkPads for certain parts of their employee population including because <laughs> because they said um, No, we need real computers for those people. (laughs) But they knew that they were making a multimedia device, all right, Right, and that it was optimized to play movies and stuff. And so if if you were really doing CAD or you're doing something that was mission critical, um, it was like that. And by the way, IBM was the same. When I, I'm kind of like, I had jobs in the mail room you know he's like you know who's you start in the mail room am i really I, I really no, start in the great. mail room um <laughs> in, the, in the summer jobs winter jobs uh, we made copiers at one point but we didn't make copiers that could collate and staple right uh. but xerox did so we had a xerox machine okay <laughs> right. in the building all right but it, you know it was in another room they, the Xerox guy had his own little door to come in and out, <laughs> and, out and it's kind of like come right. in the back way, right? right? right. So uh, there, there's a lot of, of of cooperation, right, that's necessary to really Absolutely. do business, right? And sometimes you're a little bit shy about it, right? But in reality, right, uh, when you're you're a new business and people don't even know the category you're actually not competing. Gotcha. My view is that what you're doing is you're validating each other. That makes right? sense. And until you have spun up enough energy in the category that there's some scarcity beginning to show up, right? now you start to compete. That makes sense. Prior to that point... You're all making the category safe for each other, right? Exactly. Um, not, now, I wouldn't. You know, I'm not suggesting that everybody go in. You know, and you know, go into a dark room and make that because the Justice Department. You know, right. <laughs> won't like that. Right. <laughs> um, but that's kind of the. Um, that's the reality of the situation. Is that you know, anything that's really, really new? If there's only one company doing it, people look at it sideways and say, "Is it real?" Right. You need multiple players, right, for you, all right to show up as as real. So, um, brands, you know, are functionally, you know, part of ecosystems. Yeah. You can't build a brand by itself and say this is our brand, all right, Because it exists in a context of other things, right? You know, where it's sold, right? I talk about three things that make a brand and. It, there are lots of models. I'm not going to many of them I, I think have, you know, ton of value. But I think that the last time I looked at the inner brand, uh, you know, branding model, there are fourteen attributes. And there isn't an executive that I know that can hold fourteen attributes right, in their right. head. So I have three things that I think are important. One is relevance. Why are you here? Gotcha. So, you know, the, the relevance of why your company makes it, and why your customers want it—that's um, the intersection and in relevance. Then, where does that relevance show up? What is the context? So, the second attribute is context: gotcha. economic circumstances, culture. Uh, you know, is you know, how do you choose, you know, to bring it, you know, to people's awareness, you know, consideration you know, how can you buy it, right. right? So that's the context of the brand. So those two are kind of interlocked with each other, relevance and context, we could stop there, and you would be you know, at, at the level of maturity where most companies, you know, say, yeah, yeah, yeah. We give that some, some thought, and we can elevate it uh, because we can say, are you transactional or are you relational, All right? right? And so the, you, you would like to do that. So the exponential piece, which is going to indicate whether I'm going to continue to do business with you over a long period of time, is mutual benefit. Gotcha. So the formula is R plus C in brackets time MB Okay, times mutual benefit. Because if both of us think that we're doing something good for each other, I'm probably going to have a higher propensity to want to continue to do business with you. If I think, you know, that, well, you know, this is okay, but you really got the better of me, I'm going to look at a lot of other people next time that I go in to buy that category to see if I can get a better deal, right? Gotcha. If the, the experience that I've had, the relationship that I've had with both the company and what I bought from you has really been good, my... I'm going to limit my consideration set probably to which one of those from that company do I want right, again right. because what's the what is the thing that we come into the world that is scarcest? Time. Right. We actually don't come into the world even if you talk about inheritances and you know right. multi-generational wealth. The only thing we actually come into the world with, born with that we can spend is our time and attention. Gotcha. right. And how you choose to spend your time and attention is the most important resource. I'm not the only person who said that, but I believe it in the context of brands. Brands cut through the BS of, you know, do I need to spend any more time on this category? Or have I actually found what I need? If uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. And, and you know, I spent many, many hours with Chris Beaumont, who was... Uh, on the, you know, he's in Japan and he was Martin Sorrell's um, uh, business development guy for WPP Group in Asia. Is if you went to the grocery store and you had 20 things on your list, you know, today, because you have a repertoire, you can probably get through, all right, and, you know, get those 20 things in 10 or 15 minutes, right, right. And, and check out and do what you're doing. However, What if everything on that list, when I got to buying the tuna or I'm buying the soda, I said, now which one do I want this time? And it was a considered purchase. And I had to spend, you know, a few minutes, right? In every one, making a decision about what I wanted to buy. How long am I going to be in the store with 20 items? Right. Hour and a half? Exactly. Right. So, you know, what's your time worth? Right. right, people. That this is a high value thing that the brand is bringing to you, which is it's it's giving you something you can habituate on that you don't have to spend your mind energy on gotcha. because you know it works. Right? right. Until the brand violates your trust, right you can right. you're, you're, you're going to get a lot of your time back. and that's probably the most valuable thing. And when people amass monetary wealth, one of the things that they say that they you know get as a result of that is, oh I have all this time, I can spend it the way I want to spend it right, right. That's, it, that's interesting. It's an inversion <laughs> it's because you spent all the other time prior to that making that <laughs> right. money, right? right exactly The millennials don't want, this Faustian bargain right. of, of uh, you know, I'll do a purpose you know deferment until later in life. They say, no, I, you know, um, you know, I want to do something purposeful now, and I want to make enough money to be able to live comfortably, right? I don't need excessive, right? right. But the, the, but I do want to be paid in purpose too. Which is interesting. That's an intangible. It's, it's currency, right. but it's an intangible one, right. right? And I trade an intangible value, <laughs> right? right? Exactly. So I understand, you know, that, that worth, right. right? Because that's a typology of employment. It's a typology of attention, right? And right. you know, you can you can actually craft that. You can craft, right, the ability to be associated Absolutely. with right those things that that you think are, you know, purposeful in the moment. I'll also say that when you, you know, many people look at brand as being, well, that's creation of the logo or a tagline. I have a larger conception of it's, it's the way that you interact with the company and what it makes. So that's, that's my sense. Gotcha. When you get to those icons, like a, is, those are functionally invitations. I cannot tell you everything about the company in a logo or a tagline. Right? right. What I can do is I can craft an invitation to a party that you want to go to. Gotcha. That you will accept the invitation. Now, will you ever go again? I don't. I mean, that, that's up right. to the experience being delivered. That's right? right. So people who create really good invitations, but then it's it's, I didn't like going there. Right. right? that's a one-time right kind of deal people who are black belts at this are create crafting great invitations their variations on the invitation right gotcha. so if, if you're slightly tired of it you know right. say well I'm going to, to do that again and delivering an experience that pays off on right, right what you were saying it was going to be about or the experience that you were going to have and that you are maturing and evolving, so the brand has to do the same thing, All right. God. If it remains constant, um, I you know, think you're, you're, you're in trouble. I have a model called use, user strategic experience. And there are two intersecting circles. Here's the company strategy, it's how the business is modeled and how it works, how it makes money, why it's here. And then there's the customer experience, what they want, and at the intersection is the user strategic experience. Right. And it's That's when you design an experience that benefits both the business model of the business and the people who are buying. I see. Magic happens. Right? Right. And so you're looking for that magical moment, right, to, to create, you know, a both and as opposed to right, um, hey, we made this, let's go find some people to buy it. Right, right. And it doesn't work so well. Exactly. Right? Uh, or you you have to spend a lot of money convincing people to do something that they wouldn't you know do otherwise right and that's when marketing communications advertising PR all those things get a bad name they say oh you're making people buy things that they don't necessarily want or or, or they yeah exactly if you're listening to the marketplace and delivering something that that people want or more importantly if you're in that new category area that if they knew it existed they would want it all right so you're you're just creating the invitation to you know get exposed right I didn't know that I wanted that I'm holding up a smartphone all right um, the I didn't know that I wanted this right? right I knew that I wanted the communicator on Star Trek right exactly i knew i wanted the tricorder on star trek right. and this is basically that thing that's right. right um and but i didn't know when i was you know coming along that this was what was going to enter in and fill that need space right but it did right i am you know, I'm going to date th- this podcast a little bit, but Johnny <laughs> Ives just left Apple. That's right, right, he did, and so I'm waiting to see what he does with. Um, I think he's going to call his new firm Love Design, gotcha. and so we'll see what what happens there. Right. right, when he's not designing forms for that brand, when he's given permission to design across a number of different right. domains, that that that. We'll either discover that the constraint of the brand and its ethos was an important part of inspiring him, or whether he has his own inspiration, right, that he can bring to, to other categories, remains to be seen. No, be no, okay. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: That's it. So, um, Kevin, this has been super enlightening so far, and um, I don't. I still think we got a couple minutes. Um, and you know what you just kind of elucidated. I just want to kind of repeat it back to you and see if. If I got it correctly, it sounds like um, brands are super important because they lower transaction costs for consumers. At the end of the day, you're doesn't in, in it lower your time.
1: transaction costs. It, it 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 cuts through on an efficiency basis, right? Gotcha. You know, so that you don't have to spend your time all about the time thinking about everything all the time. You know what gotcha. you need, right? When when you've established enough of a repertoire, you're getting back that most valuable resource. To you, that makes sense. And I, I, I was talking to uh, or uh, you know a guy who delivered a, a presentation recently at Gartner. Um, you know, w- we agree that we're approaching a threshold. You know what the angle reposes? No, it's like um, if if you pile up dirt or sand, right, mm-hmm. and it stops falling down, the angle at which it stops falling is the angle of repose. It's, yeah, it's, it's quiet, okay?
0: Makes if you
1: put more on it, some will trickle down the side, right? Right. but then stops, right? We're approaching the angle of repose on social media because what if I could get, you know, theoretically, what if I could get 100% of your time, that I could engage you 100%? How much are you worth economically to have your attention? You don't have any time to make any money. Where it's right. economically worthwhile. Exactly. So the fact is that if I, if I exceed, right, gaining your attention to right. the point that you don't do anything else, right, <laughs> um, it's worthless. You're actually not worth any. It's not worth having your attention. Right. 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 So we have to be able to create the angle of repose in okay. terms of. You know, how much attention is the right amount of attention? And, you know, whose attention do we want, right? And what is it being converted into, right? Because right. if I pay attention to this, am I actually a more functional person? Am I better at what, what I'm, I'm doing? And I will go back to what I was doing at IBM. So client wellness, right, is what's the wellness program for brands, and I will tell you that the best brand is the brand that when you come in contact with it, you're both better. Gotcha.
0: That's super powerful.
1: And if you if you get past the wellness program, we can get you to a fitness program. Right, Exactly,
0: one step at a time. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, that's kind of my philosophy. And you know, working with the team here at Tonjo, you know, you're building up you know, a narrative, you're building up, you know, you're, you're issuing good invitations, healthy invitations, and, you know, you're, um, you're, you're, you're birthing something here that, that has, you know, good potential to scale. Otherwise, um, I would be delivering a different kind of advice and counsel as, as a board member here. Gotcha.
0: Awesome. Thank you very much, Kevin. This has been
1: you super enlightening.